Rep Church Manchester, what an honor to be able to be with you today. Just thank you for taking time to uh, come and join us and hear the word, actually, that the Lord's just laid on my heart, I believe, for you. I'm so glad that even though it's through a lens, I can just still feel like I'm looking at your faces. And when I see your faces, you know what I see? I see an answer to prayer. I see a miracle. And I also have to stop and just especially give honor and special love to my son and my daughter and the spirit, Joe and Stacy. Oh, and of course, precious Claire and Olivia and Chloe, and just right on to Clay and Olivia. Oh my, you know something, we have Church Manchester, we've sent you our best because we knew that God was doing something great in the United Kingdom. And how could we do anything less but to send you these incredible men and women of God? And I want to thank you, Ramp Church Manchester, for taking such good care of them and just loving on them and encouraging them and honoring them the way that you have. You know what? We're going to do this together and we're going to see God's dream be fulfilled. Well, today I have a word that's been burning in my heart these past few days. I've not been able to shake it, even just for myself. And so I, I felt like it was your word too. I feel like today the Lord wants to come and give us what I'm going to call a perspective adjustment. And whenever we have the right perspective, which is his perspective, that changes everything. So it's, I'm going to start out by reading the scripture that I just love anyway. It's found in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, but any of them are good. So why don't you get your Bible and follow along? It starts off like this, and I, I like the first sentence. It says, that is why we never give up. I'm just going to say that again to somebody watching right now. Never give up. We never will give up. Watch. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze, we fix our gaze, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Ah, oh, you know, in this crazy world we're living in at the moment, especially, you know, when you look around you, at even just current circumstances, it's easy to be distracted. And, uh, you know, not by a few small things. I mean, let's not to mention a global pandemic at the moment on top of, a, of an economic crisis, uh, rioting in many of our cities and, and uh, the, the loss of many, many innocent lives. Not even to mention the things that, that many of you, and really in all of us in different ways, are facing personally, whether maybe for you it's a, a marriage crisis, or for you maybe a prodigal son or daughter, or a financial pressure in your life concerning a job situation for you, or maybe even just a, a, a health challenge. Whenever we're dealing with these kind of pressures weighing on us, you know, it's no wonder that, that, that our hearts sometimes can be filled with fear, 
especially if we're living for this life and we've got our eyes on this life when everything about us feels shaken because everything around us is being shaken. So in light of all of that, where do we find God in this? Well, to answer that, these past few days, the Lord's been sort of pulling back the picture, pulling back the perspective for me. And in doing so, he reminded me of a prayer that I prayed and a word that he gave me probably, oh, over 20 years ago, at least. Have you ever had a prayer meeting where it seemed like you walked into the prayer meeting just for an ordinary day, ordinary prayer meeting, and that prayer meeting ends up changing your life? Well, this was that for me. It kind of all started because I was frustrated with myself. So I was just praying for myself out of frustration over a particular weakness that I have that Joe and Stacy could probably tell you all about. And that is that in certain areas of my life, I have a tendency to procrastinate. So I was, I was dealing with that that day. I was dealing with the frustration of it. And so I, in my prayer, <clears throat> excuse me, I was saying to the Lord, <clears throat> Lord, don't let me waste my time. Don't let me waste my time. And as I was saying it out loud, I could hear myself saying it, but I could hear the voice of the Lord in my spirit. And I could hear the Lord just saying, Selah, pause and think about it. Think about this, Karen. And so I just kept saying it over and over, don't let me waste my time. And the more I said it, the more I began to see, whoa, I'm talking about don't let me waste my time today on the clock. He's talking about something much bigger. He's talking about a different perspective of what he considers my time. So to understand that, what God began to tell me I've got to share with you where you're going to find a word in it for your time. I want us to do something. The only way we can even begin to understand that is to go outside of time just for a moment where there is nothing there but God. Can you do that with me? Just think about that. Is that even possible? Stepping outside the bounds of time. There We have, we have nothing there in this picture right now but God alone. How do you even begin to even fathom to understand God? But in our limited understanding of him, we know a couple of things that he's told us in his word about that time. And that is this. One thing is he alone existed before time. He existed before time, always has been, always will be, and always is now and always will be now. If we think of God as existing before time, according to the word, Jesus existed there with him. There's much reference to that in the scriptures. We won't go into all that right now. But there is one scripture I have to give a bit of reference to because somewhere in that period of what we're talking about of eternities before, I believe you existed there. I believe I did in the mind of God. Why do I say that? I'll tell you why. Because in the first chapter of Jeremiah, this is just, there's actually there's many scriptures that reference this, but the one I'm talking about right now is in Jeremiah, the first chapter, where God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, watch please. He says, Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you and ordained you. Whoa. I mean, I could, their scripture goes on and on, but that right there just says enough that you can just stop. Whoa, think about it. Before 
I formed you. I knew you. Before I formed you, I'd already ordained you. That's telling us something. That God knew all of us. You were already with God before you even came to the earth in the mind of God. So that each person that has ever lived, ever lived and ever will live was known by God, named by God, purposed by God and loved by God even before he started any of it. <coughs> and before, before he has ever even created anything, here he is in eternity past, he is there, God is there, I believe we are there, and God comes up, well, let me just phrase it in my words, comes up with a plan, a glorious plan, a plan that he is going to create worlds, a universe of vast beauty, angels and beings, and ultimately sons and daughters. And in, in this plan, understanding the, the cost of the plan, he gives us something that is extremely priceless and even risky. And it is called choice. Why would God create such a plan? In my simple understanding of what I know to be of God, can I just summarize in my own words what I would say at this point in time I would understand to be that plan? Why would he create such a risky plan? I believe it was because God wanted to love and be loved. He wanted to love and be loved. And for God to be loved, he has to give his creation, including the angels, what would be known as choice. Because what love is there without choice? There is no such thing. For in other words, God never wanted us to be some robots forced to worship him. Nor did he want us to be forced to surrender to his authority. Because if we are forced to surrender to his authority, that makes us slaves instead of sons and daughters. The only true way you can ever find true love is to find the ability to choose that we love. And God wanted those that would surrender to his authority out of love. So what did he do? I found this so beautiful. Knowing that ultimately what he is, what he is planning is going to be a people and beings that would be raised up to love him and surrender to his authority because even his authority itself is based on his love for us too. So in Ephesians, the first chapter, the 10th verse, there's the most beautiful verse, and I don't have time to go into all of it. Go read it for yourselves today. Ephesians chapter one, the whole thing, it's magnificent. In the beginning of the chapter though, Paul is beginning to talk about all of these things. It's just so good, I may have to go to it. Hang on, just hang on, hang on. Oh, it's so good. Watch, just watch. I'm reading in, again, the New Living Translation. Paul says in Ephesians, let's just start with verse, chapter one, verse 
3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Oh, my goodness gracious. Look at this. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us. I'm going to get slain in the spirit. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Did you catch that? Before he made the world, he loved us and he created us and chose us to love him. Watch. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And he said, and it gave him great pleasure. He said, so we praise God for the glorious grace that, uh, see, we praise God who is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. Now look at verse nine. And God has now revealed to us this mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And verse 10 starts off, and this is the plan. Oh, my my phone. <laughs> I have to get up and run around the room. Can that camera catch it? I don't know. This just fires my spirit up so much, though. Paul is just saying, you know what? I figured it out. He's saying what I'm trying to say. Paul says, I figured out the plan of God. He says, this is it. First of all, he's loved us and chose us before the foundation of the world. For what purpose? He says in verse 10, this is why. This is the plan. That at the right time, he will bring everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. That is the plan of God. That is, my friend, the plan of God for the ages right there. You can summarize it all right there. Everything at the right time, everything in heaven and earth is pointing to this end. Everything is coming under the authority of Christ. Even right now, I feel like the world is just convulsing. It is just the world itself and the earth itself and, and all the systems of this world are even churning. You know why? Because everything is converging into this purpose of God. Ultimately, at the right time, everything is coming under the authority of Christ, whether it wants to or not. Hallelujah. That's so glorious. Now, where do we fit in that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because it's so good. Because you've got, a, you've got a big part to play in this. Now watch. When God, when God creates this plan, he comes up with this plan with Jesus, agreeing, and even the Psalms talks about that. He's not even created anything yet. But he and Jesus, they have, Jesus has already surrendered to the will of the Father, knowing that they're, if, they're going to, if he's going to do this plan, that it's going to cost the, the, the uh, life of his son. So even before he's created the world, Jesus has already said, I surrender to your will, O Father. I love to think of it this way. That God had already finished his plan before it began. The plan was finished before it even began. So when the time was right and the plan was finished, watch please, God took this plan and he placed it within the confines of time. He takes this amazing plan of his, 
to raise up beings and sons and daughters and the creation itself that ultimately will love him and surrender to him. And he places it within what we call the confines of time for the sake and the purpose of choice. And what does he do? What does he do? It says, I believe that even, let's see, maybe what I'm going to. I, this, the fascinating thing about this for me, the time is that he knows when he placed it within time, he knew that time would have a beginning and time would have an end. There will be a day when the, when the time, he knew when the time would begin, but also he knows when time will be no more. There'll be a day that time will be no more. But on this, on this particular time, if you want to call it that of eternity, when the plan was to begin, God reaches through the spans of whatever space he has, touches the first hand of the first clock that ever would be, and when he touches it, I believe it was then as that first tick began to move and God's plan begins to go into action, it was of, it was of no small consequence that it started with a big bang. Come on, even our scientists say the whole universe started with a big bang. Well, I'd have to agree. Because what happened was, in the Big Bang, it was when God said, let there be. Bang! And it was. And it still is. And when God said, let there be light, whoa! Bang! There was light. And the universe is still expanding even as we speak. Oh! It's never stopped. How could it? It came from the mouth of the one who is life. Oh! Hallelujah! And so when God's plan shifts into action. Whoa, worlds are spinning and forming and stars and planets and all of creation. And then there's a little dot in the vast spans of the universe that he calls Earth. And it is on that spot that he begins to create a home and a place for what he would call ultimately his chosen ones who would become his sons and daughters to carry out the ultimate plan of God for the ages. Oh, I believe it was then that at the right time when their home was created, the place they could be with God and meet with God, he called them according to their purpose. The first one being Adam. When it came time for Adam, who was already with God before the beginning of time, when it came time for Adam's life, God calls for Adam and Adam comes to the earth, he fulfills his purpose and he goes back. When God, let me just speed up for the sake of time even right now. When God's purpose needed a deliverer for the nation of Israel by that time, God calls for the man he is anointed for deliverance. He calls for Moses. And Moses comes to the earth. He fulfills his purpose and he leaves. When God needed a prophet to prophesy to his people, he calls for Samuel, the man that he has anointed and known before the foundation of the world. And he calls for Samuel, who comes to the earth, he fulfills his purpose, and he leaves. When God needed a worshiping warrior to bring down giants for Israel, he calls for David. David comes to the earth, fulfills his purpose, and he leaves. When God needed a, a woman to birth, and, and he needed a woman to use her, her little body to bring forth the Messiah that would give his life for all, he calls for Mary, who comes to the earth and says, be it done unto me according 
to your will. She comes to the earth, fulfills her purpose, purpose, and she leaves. When God needed a, a scribe to write the epistles from a Roman prison, he calls for Paul, who comes to the earth, fulfills his purpose. When God needed a man to bring an awakening to nations, he calls for John Wesley, who came to the earth. He fulfilled his purpose of awakening, and he left. When God needed a great evangelist to come to America and even the world, he calls for Billy Graham, who came to the earth, he fulfilled his purpose, and he left. What am I saying today? I'm saying when we look at all that have ever lived, when I look at you right now, oh, when God needed a, an awakening in Manchester, I believe he called Joe and Stacy Reeser, who were sent to the earth to fulfill their purpose. And right now, they're in the middle of living out that purpose. And so are you. Because you have come to this earth for such a time as this. All those people, the exception of Joe and Stacy, all those people have already lived their day. They've already served their time. They've served their time time that they were on the earth to fulfill. They have finished their race. It is done. But for you and me today, we are in our moment of time. Honey, this is your time. When I prayed that day, I understood it was not just about procrastination. It was, but something much bigger. No, don't let me waste my time. In other words, this is my time. If you're breathing, it's not too late. Because you may think, well, I've already wasted so much time. Well, you've got time to repent. All of us do. This is it. This is our time to fulfill the call and purpose of God for our generation and the challenges that we are facing. For, for those people, they face their own challenges in their day. They face national crisis. They face giants. They face armies. They face their own pandemics, and they dealt with them with the power and the anointing God gave them. But this is our time to deal with the giants of our day, to deal with the challenges of our day. So I came to tell you, my friend, this is your time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste. In other words, Mike, listen. Oh, listen, Ramp Church. What does it all boil down to? I'll tell you what it boils down to. If you're going to summarize our lives, here they are. We have come from God to live for God to go back to God. That's it. We have come from God to live for God to go back to God. That's the purpose of our life. You came here with a purpose. God never sent one human being to this earth without a purpose, not one. There wasn't one accident person ever born. There was not one person ever, ever, ever formed in the, in the womb of a woman that God said, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, I didn't know that one. No, he knew every one of them before the foundation of the world. You were known, loved, and called in purpose. You are here with a purpose. If I could, I'd take you to the graveyard right now. I would take you to an old graveyard that's sitting right over here. I'm, I'm kind of weird. Sometimes I like to walk through graveyards. I think graveyards are a great place to make big decisions in. If you've got a big decision to make, go out to a graveyard to make it. You know why? Because it puts things in perspective. Because everybody in that graveyard has lived their time, and it's over. And you know what it all really boils down to? What your time is? Go look at the tombstone. 
Almost everybody out there, they'll have the year they were born, the year they died, and that little dash in the middle. Everything you're living for right now is in that little dash in the middle. That's it. That's all. That's all you have. We don't get a second chance. We don't get plan B. We don't get another shot at this. We have one chance, and it's that dash in the middle. This is your time. This is your life. Don't waste it. This is the call of God. Every one of you, you're called to ministry. I don't care what area it is. People think ministry is like, oh, I gotta have a microphone and be a pastor, evangelist, prophet, teacher. No, 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 no. There's those people called to do that. But if you're a nurse, you're in the ministry. If you're a teacher, you're in the ministry. If you're a doctor, you're in the ministry. If you work in an office, you're in the ministry. If you work as an engineer, you're in the ministry. It doesn't matter what profession you work in ever in this life. The world is our mission field. The world that God has given you is your mission field. And you were sent to change your world, not be changed by it. You were sent to influence your world with the kingdom of God, not for you to be influenced by the temporary culture of this world that, that Corinthians says is just fading away anyway. Now, don't waste your time. There's grave consequences to wasting our time. You know why? Because we've got to give an account to God for what we did with that dash in the middle. That's why I'm here to tell you right now, you don't have time to be distracted by temporal things. That's why I had to come to you with, with 2 Corinthians 4 to open this word up to tell you you can't be distracted by temporal things. Don't worry about money right now. God will provide. God will provide. Jesus lived that way, telling us, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Don't worry about temporal things. God will provide. We are here on assignment from God. And if I took you to the graveyard right now, there's not one of those graves, not one, that has beside of it some kind of a little chest where they have their, all the money they ever made and then their savings account when they died, it was laid over there by their grave, not one. There's not one grave out there right now that's got their big, shiny, fancy car that they drove while they were here. There's not one grave out there right now that's got their jewelry chest and all their furniture. There's not one grave out there right now that's got their big, beautiful home that they spent their life getting and obtaining. No, none of that's there because none of it's going with them. You came into this life naked and you will leave this life naked. You will leave as you came with nothing. That's why you can't be distracted by the temporal passing things of this world. That's why Corinthians says, he said, the things that we see are temporal. They're going to rot. But the things that are not seen are eternal. You don't have time to be distracted by the cares of this life. Don't be distracted. Don't, you don't have time to be, you don't have time to be offended. Offense will knock you out of your purpose for God. Don't be offended. The devil will do anything to rob you of the purpose that you're breathing for. You don't have time to be offended. You can't be offended by people over frivolous, silly things. I always imagine when, I, when I'm dealing with offense towards somebody, you know what I do? I like to just close my eyes and imagine myself on my deathbed. And I imagine myself thinking, you know what? At that moment in my life someday, what they just said about me will not matter. Their rejection of me will not matter. Being left out will not matter. When you're on your deathbed, is there anybody in that room that you're gonna be willing to stand in that room and say, God, I know I'm about to stand before you, but I just can't forgive them. Oh no, 
I don't want there to be one human being being able to stand in my room, the room of my deathbed, and me be me, me about to see God and say, I just can't, I just can't forgive them. I just can't, I just can't. No, no, there's no one that we're not willing to forgive. My friend, we can't be distracted by the world. We can't be distracted by offense. We can't be distracted by the cares of this life. There's a purpose that matters. You say, Miss Karen, I don't even know what my purpose is. Ultimately, it's to pray, seek God. Nobody can pray for your family like you. Pray, walk with God, worship God. Hear his voice and decree it into your world. That's where you'll make a difference. You matter, you matter. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that you don't matter. You matter. That's why God's still got you here breathing. You're breathing because you matter. You're breathing because you're needed. We've got to be awakened. You don't have time to be complacently comfortable. No. He didn't send us here to be all comfortable. He sent us here to fulfill his purpose and then go be with God. What is our purpose? To choose him and call others to choose him by the way we live our lives. Oh, my friend, love the people around you. Pray for the people around you and bring the change to your world. Don't waste your time. In closing, my little grandmother that I love that's with the Lord, she had a sign in her house. I never forgot it. The little sign that was old and raggedy that hung on her wall said this, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Father, help us today to live only for your purpose and your voice. Keep our minds on eternal things, God. Don't let us be distracted by things that do not matter. We already know this world and all of its kingdoms are fading away. Lord, we're not even surprised at the turmoil and the upheaval of our world, for it's temporary and will soon be gone. But your kingdom is forever. Help us, Father, as those that are living on the earth today, as those saints that are still here, to accomplish the purpose that you've sent us here for. Awaken us out of sleep. Awaken us out of slumber. Awaken us out of complacency. And let us be those laborers <clears throat> that you're looking for, those intercessors that your eyes are searching for. Let us live our lives every single day with your sickle in our hand to harvest this great field. I thank you for what you're doing in Manchester. I thank you, God, for the promise that you've given us. I thank you for the strength that you will keep us in and the unity that increases in us to finish this race. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Ramp Church Manchester, let's do this. Let's run together. What an honor that we can do that. We have each other, but ultimately we have him. We have a mission before us and a field that is ripe. Let's lay down our lives to see his dream fulfilled. I'm willing, and I believe you are too. Let's do this. And let's do this together. We love you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon and hope to see you
very soon. Bye-bye.